Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 6, Episode 18, Snowbound. Mary, what happened this week? Claire gets a new car because she got good grades. Steve says it's cute. She says it's sporty and way better than his Corvette. Wow, I read that with a B and not a V. <laughs> um, she says it's sporty and way better than his Corvette. They race about it and get pulled over. Claire was winning. The cop said so. Anyway, they have to go to traffic school, and they all have a gimmick for some reason. So it's at the last laugh traffic school that they bicker in front of the right guy from Channel 9, who just so happens to need a couple with good banter for a local television segment. Just the idea that Claire gets a new car for good grades. Like, I was literally just thinking about it earlier because it's been spring break this week for people in Georgia and some of my coworkers were telling me like where they're taking their children on spring break it's like Punta Cana the DR Bahamas like all that stuff I'm like I went to North Carolina to visit family when I was a kid Nate goes I worked during spring break right <laughs> I stayed at home yeah like if I went anywhere it was like to visit my aunt yeah <laughs> same but yeah so like the fact that Claire Gets a brand new car is just so bougie. <laughs> well, and she gets it for good grades. And so I'm wondering, like, how is Dean having to, like, keep upping it? Like, oh, yeah. you got good grades. Here's a necklace. Oh, mm -hmm. you got good grades. Here's the stereo. And, like, he's finally getting up to, like, a car. And he's just like, she graduates soon. She graduates soon. I know. He's like, oh, God, I, I, I jumped – Way too far from stereo <laughs> to car. Next, I got to get her a house. <laughs> it's like, I I tried when I was little to be like, mom and dad, give me things for good grades. And they were just like, no, you should just get good grades. Right. Exactly. I think like for a little while in maybe elementary school, I got like an extra dollar on my allowance or something like that. But then it was like once I became quote unquote responsible, nope, you just, that's what you do. If you don't, you get punished. <laughs> Yeah. No, I tried to skim the whole, like, for my allowance, give me an extra dollar for every A that I get. But, like, my school had these really long uh, report cards, so I would have, like, 16 A's. So I was just like, I'm going to make 20 bucks this week. <laughs> Did not happen. Yeah, of course not. And then when, like, the A's started, like, going down, then, yeah, I just got in trouble instead of being rewarded for getting the A's later anyway. Yeah, no, 100%. So, of course, like, Claire just keeps making the Dean's List and gets rewarded for it. And she drives up in this cute car, and it is cute, mm -hmm. but it is also sporty, as Claire wants to be called. And I just realized I think I might be Claire. Like, if I'm any character in the verse, I think I'm Claire. <laughs> I I aspire to be Claire. Just yeah, like yeah, that's true. Smart, tell it like it is driving this car and just straight up being like yeah I got it for good grades I'm on the dean's list what of it yeah like so proud of it like not cocky but proud you know and Steve is like you can tell he's a little bruised and I can't tell if it's because of the grades or if it's because like he's just jealous that she got a new shiny thing and Steve is not her new shiny thing anymore <laughs> 
Yeah, I couldn't figure that out because Steve got a new car like three years ago. Remember when his mom just like bought him a new car because he found out he was adopted? Yeah. So like not the same kind of motivation, but it's not like Steve doesn't get shiny new presents. Right. And the difference is, is he gets those things without having to get the good grades. So who knows? (laughs) Yeah, but he's being really weird about it. Like, yeah, he calls it a Barbie mobile, all this stuff. And so they decide to race about it in the middle of the day on busy streets. And then surprise, they get pulled over. Right. And it's actually kind of funny, though, because there like two things happen in this scene that I laugh at. Number one, that he calls it a Barbie mobile, mobile but then Claire astutely points out that... Um, Barbie drives a Corvette like (laughs) so who are you insulting me or you (laughs) and then number two he says ha ha don't make me laugh and that was so Danny Zuko in Greece that I was like did they do that on purpose or did like Ian Ziering read that like that because either way it kind of works because they do the race (laughs) well and yeah, so kind of going off the grease thing, I expected this was going to be a lead up for this whole episode and they were going to end with them drag racing. Like, yes, it would have been hilarious if they went to the exact same place since Greece and 90210 both filmed in LA. Right? Oh my God, that would have been awesome. Right? But instead, they like drag race in the middle of the day, they get pulled over. Claire gets out of her car to go talk to the cop, which is not something that you're supposed to do, and they will yeah. yell at you for it. So, like, well, yeah, because they think you're gonna like run away. Yeah, or like attack them. Right. Like, you can't just get out of your car and walk up to this man. Yeah. But, like, that whole thing is just so that Steve can try and get out of the ticket, and Claire is like, stop trying to get out of the ticket by saying you're late for dialysis. Yeah. And then Claire's just like, by the way, when you pulled us over, who was ahead? And he's just like, why are you asking me this? But then ends up saying, like, he clearly looks at both of them and is like, you're prettier. You were in front. <laughs> well, and like, yeah, Steve was just like, dialysis. I'm an organ recipient. Like, mm-hmm. Claire was just like, no, let's just accept the ticket. Mm-hmm. But this becomes a running thing for them for the entire episode because... Now they have to go to traffic school and they're trying to pick out like gourmet traffic school or comedy traffic school or a bunch of other traffic schools that I don't think exist. Yeah. And like I think this is one of the only interactions they really have with the rest of the cast is when David is just sitting there while they're trying to pick out their traffic schools. And it's just like I guess you guys are perfect for each other. Bye. Right. Like, it's kind of interesting, too, though, because Steve is completely freaking out about it. And I can only assume that's because, you know, of his previous run-ins with the law. Meanwhile, Claire is just like, well, yeah, we were speeding. This is what happens. We have to, like, have the consequences that are a result of our actions. Like, you know, she she knew she was breaking the law, but she's like, and we got caught. So I don't know why you're freaking out. This is just how it works. And Steve, of course, is trying to get out of it by some sort of like illegal ticket fixer. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Steve is like, have you seen my rap sheet? Like, I yeah. literally can't afford more points on my driver's license. Right. Oh, gosh. 
Which <laughs> is funny because like there's a quote later on that Val says like when it's it's like Val, David, Steve, Claire, and they're together for the Colin Kelly situation. Like Val ends up saying, and I'll repeat it when we talk when we get to them, but. She's like, when does anybody anybody learn anything from the lessons of the past? And I'm like, this that is a quote, a yearbook quote for Steve Sanders. <laughs> I was like, Val, look who you're talking to. Exactly. Li- literally none of them have ever learned anything in their entire lives. And I feel like that was actually kind of a meta point in the show. Oh, yeah. To be like, we're saying this on purpose so that we can like reuse storylines later or like, so you're not surprised when somebody does something and makes a mistake. <laughs> Cause even in that scene, Steve gets driving gloves <laughs> and gets like so excited about them. It's like, you just got to take it for speeding. He puts them on immediately. Like, <laughs> and Then Claire's purse. She's like, it goes with my car. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Which I don't think Kelly has seen the car. Right. So yeah. that was a happy I mean, accident. If she did, she wouldn't be paying attention right now. Yeah, she's a little busy. Yeah. But uh, so we finally get to traffic school. And yeah, they had been talking this whole time about wanting to do the gourmet one. And I guess they just didn't. <laughs> yeah, I wrote Claire and Steve are at comedy traffic school. Who cares? Yeah. They're just like getting in trouble for laughing, but then not laughing and then being funny in a comedy traffic school which makes no sense yeah i literally i didn't write anything down uh at one point they start watching a video about like drivers getting into accidents under the influence which like i think has more to do with the kelly story than anything else Mm -hmm. and then there's that weird guy behind them who just like happens to get a phone call about needing a couple for his show he produces and they should be on it which like you know good on that guy for seeing an opportunity recognizing it and jumping on it right and it's just funny the only funny part about this later on because like obviously steve and claire are definitely doing this show what you know claire doesn't really want to but obviously steve's not going to pass up an opportunity to like get famous god he would totally be on like love is blind or ultimatum and all that stuff oh he would absolutely be on ultimatum god which Side note, I have watched approximately two and a half episodes of that show, and it is garbage. It, like, it's so, like, for as good as Love is Blind was, it's just as bad. It, it That show, the premise of it makes me upset. Like, yeah, John had, had to make me stop watching reality shows on his Netflix profile because he <laughs> was getting the recommendations, so he's the one that got Ultimatum, mm-hmm. and we were watching it, and I was just like, I like my blood was boiling. Yeah, we had to keep pausing it every five seconds because we'd get angry. <laughs> Cause like, what kind of relationship are you in that you're giving each other ultimatums and want to stay in the relationship? And like, but even the person giving the ultimatum is like, I'm in love with you. Like you're the love of my life, but I need you to make a decision. And then have to go date other people too. <laughs> like, wh- I I. I can't watch it. I've it's watched so some bad. bad reality TV on Netflix lately. This is not going to be one of them. Well, and rest assured, Steve, like, you know, like, I really do think he would go on that show. But all that being said, 
like they get to the TV station and the second Steve realizes that this is local TV, not national, he's like, you mean we're not getting national coverage for this? He's like, done. He's like, absolutely not. My, You'll hear from my agent. Like I half expected him to say that. <laughs> I just love how dumb he is. Like, how did he not know this? And Claire has to tell him while they're on the set. Mm-hmm. I also really love that this guy convinces them to be on it. And I think he says like, the pay isn't great and the hours are long, but it could be fun. Yeah. But like, yeah, the TV, like the cameras start rolling. The host starts trying to talk to them. And pretty immediately, Steve is just like, I'm sorry, Claire. You're right. I made a mistake. I could have hurt you. And I love your cute little brain. And she's like, I'm sorry. Well, first she kisses him, like, because she does recognize that he's apologizing. And then she's like, what do you mean by cute little brain? And I love that, like, while they're kissing, she, like, grabs the back of his grabs head his and hair. just pulls it back and is just like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. <laughs> and and then like, they... cute, sporty little brain. It's like, no, Steve, wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Like... And he's just, like, <laughs> digging that hole deeper and deeper. And Claire is calling him on it every second of the way. And this host is just like, oh, my God, what have we gotten into? Yep. And this is kind of why I love Steve and Claire. I'm like, they genuinely have fun together. They like weirdly work. And at least we've gotten some healthy, you know, little dose of a relationship here for like Steve apologizing. Yeah, it was a really weird storyline and arguably like the seest of C plots to have happened. It's kind of like that time, um, you know, several seasons ago when they shot that uh, dental commercial (laughs) (laughs) with the plaque and all that (laughs) oh my god I loved that when they're just all in the mouth Mm -hmm. I miss that I wish that had been what Clarence like Claire and Steve are arguing at traffic school and this guy is like I'm on a tv show do you want to be on it and he doesn't tell them what it is and then they get there and it's like wipe out yeah oh my god I wish that would be hilarious have you seen the wipeout with john cena and nicole Byer? i have not it's on hbo max now and i'm obsessed with it all right i'm gonna have to check it out speaking of reality tv yeah seriously the two of them weirdly work so well together i can see that though because john cena seems like he'd be down to hang out with pretty much anybody and nicole Byer is just such a like sunshine personality that and so good off the cuff i feel like yeah it totally makes sense how they work also, John Cena is, like, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what like, is it with these pro wrestlers being hilarious? They have to, like, do a lot of improv, yeah. like, and, like, to be able to just cut promos on people and sure. all kinds of stuff. But John Cena's really fucking good at improv. I don't know if y'all have seen, um, what is it, Peacemaker? Oh, I haven't Not watched yet. it yet. It's worth watching. It's fucking brutal but it's so worth watching there is this scene where it's like a hundred percent just him riffing with another character but it's just john cena (laughs) saying things and you can tell it's him but he's so in character and it's so fucking good and it was like good to the point where at the end of the episode they put more of just them improving with each other in that scene i love when they do that i love that so much. much jinx (laughs) 
Yeah, no, that one's been on my list pretty exclusively for John Cena. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because he was like one of the bright spots of that new uh, Suicide Squad movie. Movie. He's so good. He yeah. made me forget he was John Cena. Yeah, seriously. Like, and this is a movie that there was King Shark in it, and I. <laughs> You guys know how I feel about King Shark. <laughs> I kind of loved him. But that's the thing. Like, he did make me love him, but he first shows up on camera, on screen. And I look at Nate, I was like, get the fuck out of here. It's like, like, we can't forward. watch this movie. And Nate was like, why are you freaking out? And I was like, I cannot with King Shark. <laughs> you won't understand until you experience the amount of King Shark that you and I have experienced. Exactly. Like, weirdly, Arrowverse is littered with King Shark. And I'm like, why? And then okay. it took the Suicide Squad movie to make him, like, endearing because the King Shark in Arrowverse is horrible. And the premise is, un- I don't get it. But, like, this King Shark, hilarious. <laughs> anyway, that was a tangent. <laughs> well, because, like, nothing happened with Stephen Clare, and I just don't care. So It just made us think about a lot of other stuff. <laughs> That's significantly better. Yeah. Speaking of more interesting storylines, Mary, do you want to tell us what else happened this week? Yes, I do. Kelly and Colin take a break from cocaine champagne limo shopping to drop off a few gifts for everyone. Her friends are like, you know what? I was worried when we didn't hear from you for a while, but you're obviously fine. Val, however, points out that Kelly is high as fuck. Kelly and Colin realize cocaine is a thousand percent less fun when you're out of it and about that much scarier when you realize where you have to go to find cocaine when your dealer runs out of more to sell you. Val finally gets David to see what's really going on, and David confronts Colin about giving drugs to his sister. Colin is obviously not happy with that, and confronts Val. He wants all the friends to let him and Kelly isolate themselves and be fucked up together. Val tells Colin that the group only really cares about Kelly, and she's the only one who cares about him. Kelly is too busy with all of this to even pay attention to Donna, who needs her to be a good friend right now. Tell you why later. Like, it makes me so sad watching Kelly in this cocaine hole. Oh, for sure. Like, literally, we were nervous about this last episode because we saw it happening, right? Like, we saw it coming. We knew the title of this episode, Snowbound. Like, we knew that this was going to happen, but it still sucks really bad that this is happening, especially given when we get to the scene with all the various reactions from the rest of the friends, like as to why there's no way Kelly could actually be doing cocaine because it's the stuff you, you know, the three of us have been talking about for so long. Yeah. And like, I was watching this this morning and John came out to make breakfast and I was so frustrated. And I told him, I was like, everyone is saying the exact arguments that we have said of like, she can't, be getting into cocaine because of how many people around her have had to deal with this. Like her mom had a cocaine issue. Her brother had a meth issue. Her ex-boyfriend had presumably a heroin problem Mm -hmm. and they all just like don't want to see it. And John even said, he was like, yeah, but like they're going to assume the best in their friend. They don't want to see it. So they're just not going to. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Yeah. And the only people that like immediately think that she's on drugs are Claire and Val, who have known her for significantly less time. 
Yeah, 100%. And it's so interesting, the Val journey this episode, because on the one hand, it sounds like genuine concern. But on the other hand, I'm like, you know, cur- like in the back of my mind, I'm curious what her motives are. And we get a little glimpse of that later on um, when Colin confronts her. But, but you know, it's also somewhere in the middle, too, because I think there actually is genuine concern, like you said, because she's known Kelly significantly less time and can see more clearly when it comes mm-hmm. she ha- she doesn't have rose colored glasses on when it comes to her yeah well, and you know in our little brains over here we think Val and Kelly are in love with each other secretly <laughs> I mean if only that were true I mean I do think that part of Val's motivation is that like her sparring partner isn't there anymore mm-hmm. like they may like truly hate each other and therefore not give a shit what they say to each other. But like, that doesn't mean that Kelly wants her to go get addicted to cocaine and throw her life away. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's spot on. It's like they enjoy, I mean, they both can't help it when like it comes to the other person. They love the banter. They love the sparring, but I, I do think there's some genuine concern for well being. Mm-hmm. Um, going on here and I think the opposite would be true I, I do think Kelly would be probably a little bit more harsh about it um, and the group would probably listen to her as opposed to what happens in this episode where Val is continually telling everybody what's happening and they're just like nah they wouldn't do that like like you know all that and you know we can just jump right in with what happens because like literally the first thing we see is it's Donna rushing out the door. She's late for, to meet her dad for breakfast. Claire mentions, like, hey, have you seen Kelly? You know, it's been a while. And they're, like, a little worried because they know Colin has been getting high. And so Claire, like you mentioned, is concerned that he's dragging Kelly down with her. Yeah. And Donna immediately doesn't want to believe her. She's like, no, Kelly wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, starting to have some evidence pile up. Like, they haven't seen Kelly in two weeks. Kelly and Colin are not answering the phone at his place. Kind of skipping ahead, like, Val makes the comment that they haven't seen her at school. Like, Mm -hmm. evidence is starting to pile up, but the gang just doesn't want to see it. Like, it's kind of like when, you know, Dylan fell off the wagon because his family stole all of his money and everyone was just like, oh, well, he made this investment and he's too good for us now. Like, they don't want to see the bad stuff. 100%. And we do see Kelly at Colin's house, like, you know, very clearly hungover, and she's not going to class because she can't move. And so Colin gives her more cocaine, but then she's like, well, I'm still not going to school. Yeah. And it's it just, it, I it's just so hate much it. so fast. Yeah. It, it it's awful because then like the next time we see them, you know, back at Colin's loft, they've woken up. They're like, I guess making breakfast or something. Um, and Colin is like, we should go shopping. And, you know, Kelly refers back to the check that her dad gave her last episode. And they're like, let's get a limo. Let's make love in between purchases. And I'm like, ew. Um, Again, the make love thing. I just, I always right. hate it. It's so awkward. I hate it. <laughs> but anyway, I understand why they say that and not just like have sex or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, they, 
I also noticed something here, and they're both wearing white shirts. And I was like, is that symbolism, or am I just, like, making something out of nothing? <laughs> this season, white represents cocaine instead of innocence. Exactly. <laughs> like, we've shifted. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so this scene presumably does take place in the morning, because the next scene is Donna and, J- and her dad at breakfast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, I think for breakfast, they had cocaine and red wine. Yeah, right? Because Val comes over and, like, Colin's like, get rid of all that stuff. And he does wait until Kelly, like, puts the evidence into a drawer, but she forgets this, like, rolled up $1 bill, mm-hmm. which, like, why they had to do it this way, I'll never understand. I don't, I'd never done coke. I don't understand what rolling up a 20 looks like. <laughs> but... She leaves it out and Val makes a comment about it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's so old. Because <laughs> I was like, Colin, what have you done? <laughs> Trying to get fake mad at Colin. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, the whole reason that Val came over is apparently someone saw Colin's Kelly's New York mural at the pee pad and wants to come talk to him about art. But I love that she makes comments like the first thing she says when she walks in is like, hey, Kel, long time no school. Mm-hmm. Like she wants it. She wants the banter. And Kelly is just like too high to give a shit. Yeah. She just like makes comments with her face, like doesn't say anything. She's like, oh, hey. I mean, she even says like, have a nice day. Bye. Like when she leaves, this is like so not Kelly. And obviously like that, like you were talking about piling up evidence that's more evidence now for Val. It's like no school, the 20 on the on the table, the fact that Kelly's being like kind of nice to her but also not really talking to her. Like she's like, "Okay, yeah, I know what's going on here." and leaves. Yeah, like basically just not being outright mean to Val. Mm-hmm. She's just like, "You're on drugs." Yep. <laughs> You're being nice to me. What are you high? Right? Literally. Like, literally. <laughs> and, like, at this at this next point, like, we see them in the limo. They're drinking champagne. We get some kind of interesting comments here about, like, you know, Colin yeah. saying the only time he ever saw a limo was when someone passed away. But also, he, like, reminisces about his high school prom and talks about his real dad which I didn't know he didn't have a real dad. So that's like another clue about Colin, I guess. But his dad apparently was a better artist than Colin is. Low bar. And right. He's also blind because he lost his sight in Vietnam. Yeah. I wrote, he's a better artist than Colin will ever be. Duh. <laughs> and... Colin also goes on to say, he's like, oh, yeah, I've never told you about him before because he's a scary guy. And basically, like, I hope you never have to meet him. Right. Which I'm like, is this another, like, Chekhov's gun thing? Like, (laughs) do we need to pay attention to this? Are we going to meet him later? Yeah. I was thinking about that. I was like, I mean, what is this show if not 90210 subtitle Daddy Issues? Oh, my God. So true. And then, like, it turns because he's like this is a really sad conversation I don't want to talk about this anymore and Kelly starts talking about how she basically grew up in a limo but she's never banged in the back of one <laughs> yeah she was born in one taken home from the hospital in one she you know got t- dropped off at school in one like all that stuff but 
never had sex in one, and they do. I feel like Colin was just like, you're a liar, but okay. Yeah, she was like, you lie. And she's like, no, I swear. He's like, no, you're a liar. Don't care, though. It's fine. Right? Is it going to stop me right now? No. Absolutely not. (laughs) And, you know, we kind of skip ahead. They've bought all their presents. They show up at Casa Walsh in the middle of dinner. But they're not going to stay for dinner. They just want to bring their presents. And she is, like, talking a mile a minute, throwing Mm -hmm. all these presents. And is just like, oh, yeah, we got to go. We got to go to wherever they're having dinner. Yeah. And I wrote down the presents that everybody got. I don't think it really matters. But when David said he got internet in a box, I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) Didn't look it up. Steve gets his driving gloves. Claire gets her purse. And Val gets a mirror. Which, when she started saying, like, mirror, mirror on the wall or whatever, she said, I thought there was actually something written on the mirror of Kelly just being like, I hate you, bye. Yeah, right? (laughs) Okay. Internet in a – well, this is interesting because, like, Internet in a Box has a Wikipedia page, but it doesn't talk about anything before 2012. Um, But it says in this that it's a low-cost digital library. It's, like, basically a wireless access point with storage. But, like, that was just the first Google search that I had. But essentially, it just seems like it basically enables you to have access to the internet and connect to something um, wirelessly. But I'm like, there's no way that was available in the 90s. Yeah, I couldn't decide. It sounds like a hotspot or something. Right? It sounds like a router or, like, somebody printed out Wikipedia. Yeah. Just like I go. wonder if it's like something you had to connect to a computer in order to access the internet or something. I mean, yeah. maybe. I mean, it, it, yeah. Okay, so I found for Windows ninety five. So we're on the right okay. track here. Um. So yeah, it's like independent local internet dial up. So yeah, it was kind of like it's a router. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. This is too much. This is like one of those recipe, you know, like when you're looking up a recipe, but you have to hear like, here's why my husband used to eat the unhealthy version and I had to come up with a healthy version. In the beginning, there was cheese. Now I will (laughs) tell you how to make macaroni and cheese. Right. I mean, so I guess now are we presuming that David just does not have access to the internet on campus? I mean, if we think about it, like, in the 90s, internet was just becoming popular, right? But it wasn't that easy to get because you would, I mean, think about it because in his, maybe it's like because he wanted it in his dorm room. Yeah, that's right. My my brother went to college in 1998. I'll have to ask him. Yeah. If yeah, he had really internet in his like, dorm. Like a router or, or something. It's basically just a way to have internet on the go. <laughs> I mean, he's very excited about it, so, you know, I'm mm-hmm. happy for him. And it sounded expensive, right? Because he was like, I've been saving up for this. Yeah. Well, because Kelly had, like, $10,000 to blow. I think it was only three, but I understand your point. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. When I saw the check last episode, I legitimately, like, put the iPad all the way up to my face. I was mm-hmm. like, I have to know what this check is for. It was for three. It was three grand. But – you know, Val pulls out her mirror and is just like, uh, y'all, this is manic behavior. Like, this is not okay. She bought me a present. Yeah, it's exactly. And she's like, they're both high. Like, and Steve, David, Claire, like, 
even Claire at this point, who was skeptical, like Steve is like, you know, she would never do that because of her mom. You know, they list all the reasons we talked about. David mentions Dylan, you know, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And then that's when says when when Val says, when does anybody learn anything from the lessons of the past? Trust me, these are guilt gifts. Kelly's getting high. Yeah, it was really interesting to me that like, yeah, even David doesn't want to see it. I totally get this mental idea of them just not wanting to see it. Like they see that Kelly is acting happy, which frankly is not something that Kelly always gets to do. So I get it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, maybe her dad totally blew her off and so she went back to Colin, but like it's working out because she just wants to be happy right now. I totally get it. But literally like a month ago, David was like, Colin's high right now. I think that's the thing too is like David was so – like alarm rings in his head as soon as Colin was like in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's Val's point later, um, which we get to, but she's kind of be, she's kind of like, Hey man, like you're the one who like notices this stuff better than anybody. Why can't you see it? And, and again, it's like totally understandable. Like both, both ways I get it. Like Val's like, guys pay attention. And they're like, guys, it's Kelly. Like, yeah, she wouldn't do that. And and I know they put her on a pedestal just like most people put her on a pedestal. Um I mean, but we think about like you've talked about several times, she has this wayward background. She has this like easily manipulated or easily persuaded kind of personality where with the cult and you know things like that. So it makes sense that eventually Brandon is the one to kind of take Mm -hmm. it a step further like Val kind of gets through to Brandon and I think that makes the most sense because Brandon is kind of away from the group a lot these days because you know he's with Susan so much Mm -hmm. so he's not really like necessarily feeding off of what they're saying you know like here's reasons why Kelly wouldn't do it he's only confronted by the person who says this is why she would yeah well and I think you know, on top of all of that, I think Claire and Steve probably don't see it because honestly, Kelly is just acting like Steve right now. True. True. Like Steve is always like happy go lucky, like real manic and excited about things until he's not. Yeah. So yeah, like Steve and Claire are probably gonna be blinded by their presence. Claire does love a good present. We mm-hmm. do know that about her. Mm-hmm. And you know, we We get this short scene with Kelly and Colin, but I kind of want to stick with Val and everybody at Casa Walsh for a little bit longer because we cut ahead to that night. David is spending the night and putting the moves on Val and she is not into it and he is upset with her for her Mm -hmm. not being into it. Like his behavior always bothers me when he is like so sexually driven, Mm -hmm. like He's like, oh, what's okay, fine. What's bothering you? And she's like, are you actually going to care? And he was like, no, and turned over and tried to go to sleep. Yeah. I'm just always so uncomfortable, like you kind of just said, with him because I just, I need, like, we started liking David when he got more plot, you know, Mm -hmm. like the stuff with his mom and. Even when he did have a drug issue, that was more interesting. That made us more interested in David's well-being and his character. 
all that stuff. I mean, the st- when he lost Aaron, like all of that. But it's like when they don't have something for David to focus on or like have a story for him, they always bring it back to the fact that David wants sex and doesn't get it. Yeah. And I just, I don't want that to be his character. He's too important to the show to be like kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Like so one-sided and like not in a good way. And like, what's the word where it's like you're, it's not whittled down, but it's like you're completely siloed. Sure. We'll use that because I can't think of what I'm trying to say, but it's like. He's too important to just be like, what is that word I'm looking for? To to only be focused on sex and sex alone, right? He's mm-hmm. too important. So I just get uncomfortable when that's all he's like, I don't know, resulted in or something. Yeah. Well, and it's very specifically that like not only is he so obsessed with sex, but like he gets genuinely upset with people when they just don't give it to him. Yeah. Like – Val is visibly upset and he's just like turned off the lights and like glommed onto her. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't drop it. Like he turns over to try to go to bed and she brings it up again. She's like, you need to face it. Like this is happening. Yeah. She even says like, you're, you're her brother. If no one else focuses on this, you need to. And I do, like I said earlier, I do actually think this is genuine caring for Kelly's well-being even if it is just to have her sparring partner back, you know, like I do actually think that Val cares because she wouldn't be talking about it as much as she is. She wouldn't even be having second thoughts, right? Like she's just mm-hmm. like, she's literally sitting here laying awake in bed at night thinking about this. Yeah. And like insisting again and again and again to anyone that will listen that they need to yeah. help her because Lord knows Kelly is not going to accept Val's help. Right, 100%. And she knows that. She knows, like, she's not going to be able to do anything, so she's going to tap into anyone else who will. Um, Mm -hmm. And rightfully so, because, like, outside of this, like, when we do see Kelly and Colin, they're so either high or desperate to get more, right? Because Mm -hmm. we see them at Eclipse, which is the same restaurant that Kelly brought her parents to last week. Mm -hmm. Kelly is, like, there's like weird comments about Kelly being disgusted at Colin for eating meat. So I guess Kelly's a vegetarian. That's interesting. Right. I wrote that down too. I was like, did we know that before? I don't think we did. And Colin like baz like a sh- anyway. I don't Yeah. <laughs> but I mean it doesn't matter because they're both so high, they don't want to eat. Which they like just want more Coke. Honestly, and I know like doing uppers makes you not want to eat, right? Mm-hmm. Like pe- that's why people take speed to lose weight Mm. so even when they got to the restaurant i was like they're not gonna actually eat Mm, right interesting and truly they look at their food they're like oh i'm not actually hungry and they just get up and leave yeah they don't even they don't eat a thing they They, don't get a doggy bag yeah like literally they're just like screw this let's go get more and they literally take the limo to what is clearly marked as like a sketchier area of town mm-hmm. to find the cocaine and he follow Colin gets out and follows this one dude and does the like classic like hey basically do you have cocaine I want some and follows him into an alley so when the guy asked if he was a cop I was 
honestly really expecting this man to turn the corner and come back with cops and arrest Colin and that Kelly was going to have to deal with this while she was high. Right. Because the reason they have to look is because at dinner, Kelly went to the bathroom and finished off the coke that they had. And they get in a lot of arguments over who is doing more coke and how dare you use all the coke and blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah, which – I mean, they're high. They're not thinking about this. But knowing that your dealer is tapped out, I would have been like, we have to ration this because coming down off of Coke really sucks. Yeah, for sure. But they're just like, no, we have to keep getting more so that we can just keep competing for who has the most Coke. Like, Yeah. And they're like being real paranoid about it. Like mm-hmm. it's not going well. And once this guy tells Colin to like stay right there, I was like, First of all, they kept um, jumping back to Kelly in the limo. And I was like, for the Mm -hmm. love of God, Kelly, stay in the limo. Like, do not get out. Not because, like, I'm trying to feed into that this is a shitty area. But I'm like, that wouldn't help anyone. (laughs) Yeah. And I had this feeling. I was like, why do I have the feeling that this is going to be real shitty Coke or, like, goodies powder or something? You know, like, I I had a feeling. I was like, this is not going to be what they expect it to be. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I got worried about it like getting cut with something because I know that's oh, the whole yeah. thing with like fentanyl right now. And Oh my God. Yeah. Like it just made me nervous of like, what are they going to get that's going to like be bad? Even if it's just like baby powder or something. Like what if it was like bleach powder and they're yeah, just like snorting like, bleach powder? Just something really unsavory, <laughs> like dangerous. Not that cocaine isn't already dangerous, but to add to it or something. Yeah. But then they get home, they do it, and they realize they got ripped off. (laughs) I love Kelly's response of like, you didn't taste it in the creepy alley with the sketchy guy before you paid 60 bucks. Yeah. He's like, you're mad at me because I didn't sample the merchandise. (laughs) And so he calls his dealer where she's immediately like, I thought you said he was out. Mm Mm-hmm. And they basically tell this guy, like, we will pay you so much extra money to just let us get a hit out of your stash. Like, holy moly. And, like, he's like, I'll pay double. I told you I'll pay double. Like, they're so desperate. Mm-hmm. And I think the guy, like, he ends up letting them do it. They leave the house. But this is presumably, like, they are out of coke. They're going to come down and they are going to come down hard and tomorrow's going to suck. Yeah, for sure. And meanwhile, as – they're off doing that. This is when we see the scene with Val and Brandon where Val gives Brandon the gift that Kelly bought for him. And it's a really, really nice pen. Um, yeah. Like apparently Val like says it's like $600. Yeah. Yeah. And Brandon's like, no, it doesn't cost that much. Like, it's kind of funny how Brandon just like doesn't believe that pens cost that much. I feel like that's kind of on brand for him because – I don't know. He he did like I know he bought all that stuff when he gambled, like all the ski equipment and stuff like that. But at the same time, I feel like Brandon normally day to day just isn't a big spender. So it would totally make sense that he just doesn't know how much these pens cost. Oh yeah. Like most of the time when he gets nice stuff, it is gifted to him, but like it'll be like a watch where he understands the value of it because he's seen Steve's nice watches and like his mom yeah. gave it to like things that he understands the value of. Like I think in Brandon's normal day-to-day life, he sees a Bic pen, and that is his experience. Yeah, totally. And yeah, this is where Val is like, she got me a present, Brandon. She's high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, 
You can tell he doesn't want to believe it at first either. And mm-hmm. I understand why Val's getting more and more mad. Um, but eventually, like, you, like, you know, Val kind of walks out. We stay on Brandon's face. And this is where he's, like, actually considering what Val's saying as opposed to, you know, like we saw with the group, just more evidence as to why she wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And while he's, you know, being real contemplative about it, we go back to Colin's loft where Colin has come down from the coke and is painting now. Like to point that out when he's not on coke, he actually does his job. Right. He's like doing a whole giant canvas. As is tradition. As is tradition, yes. Um, With all the lights on and Kelly cannot sleep. Yeah. And... So at this point, Brandon calls, and he's like, people are starting to wonder where you guys have been. I just want to make sure you're all right, this and this. And, like, between the not sleeping, the coming down, all of this stuff, and then Brandon calling, it kind of gets to Kelly. And she's like, I just want to go home. I just want to be in my own bed. And Colin just, like, gives her some downers to help her sleep. We don't know what it is. It's a pill of some kind. But she takes it and then wants to go drive home. And yeah. like, I know what the show is doing and it got me because I started freaking out at this point. And then like sequentially, the next scene in the episode is Steve and Claire watching the video of people driving under the influence. Mm-hmm. And then we just don't see Kelly until the end of the episode. Yeah. Cause we still, we end up seeing Colin, which we know like he'd stayed there for a while Um, Mm -hmm. at his loft and we already knew that he came down you know he didn't yeah well we don't know if he didn't need the downers but regardless if he did or not there's been some time passed between when he perceivably took them or didn't and when he leaves the loft next because at this point still haven't seen kelly david finally comes over to the loft to see colin and you know essentially accuses him of sharing his drugs with kelly and i really like that Colin insists that Kelly is clean and David says I can tell when someone's using mm-hmm. like he's the one that noticed it mm-hmm. which you know to be fair like everyone knows the relationship that Val has with people so like David's probably sure. saying this to not be like well Val told me and it's gonna get Val in trouble exactly I just thought it was funny and it doesn't work because Colin pretty immediately leaves to go to the pee pad to yell at Val exactly and like it's really interesting, too, because, like, David does threaten Colin, and we know that, like, nobody really likes Colin that much, or at least has done anything to kind of make a relationship with Colin independent from Kelly, you know, because we've always kind of, like, treated Colin and Susan as the newcomers, because they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joe is a newcomer, too, but he was pretty f- quickly immersed in the group, but it is different seeing kind of Susan and the rest of the gang. Colin and the rest of the gang and maybe it's because like Susan attends the school that they do so there's more shared interests involved Mm -hmm. but with Colin it's like they've been skeptical about him from day one yeah and you know it doesn't help that he does all these things that he and Kelly kind of have a you know temperamental relationship especially with Val Mm -hmm. and Val calls it out she's like look everyone cares about Kelly not you I'm the only one that cares about you. Which is interesting on many many levels here because for this entire episode, 
It has sounded like genuine concern for Kelly's well-being from Val, not even Mm -hmm. really about Colin. You know, she's trying to appeal to literally everyone else in the gang to help Kelly. Mm -hmm. Not once mentioning Colin. I mean, she only mentions him in context of he did it first, now Kelly's doing it. But now it's at the point where she's like, I care about you, Colin. Which, for the record, is probably true. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that she's now using this line as a means of appealing to him. Yeah. Yeah. Now it, like, kind of feels like an angle. Exactly. To be like, look, everyone else is here for Kelly. I sent them after Kelly, but you don't need to know Mm -hmm. that. And I'm here for you. No one has come to you to be like, we're worried about you. Like, Brandon said, we're worried about you, kind of like, in a general sense, but he is definitely calling for Kelly. He even, at the end of the message, was like, call me Kel. Yeah. Not call me Colin, not call me you guys, call me Kel. And yeah, I mean, you know, we know that Val knows that David went to Colin's place, but we aren't sure Val knows that Brandon called. But yeah, it Mm -hmm. could be like a whole thing where like Val can't help herself. She wants to help Kelly to get her clean, but there is this other part of her that is just like, this is my chance. Yeah, it's like she kind of needs to be needed, but. Oh, for sure. Only when she decides to, right? Like, mm-hmm. on her terms. And so if she can get Colin on her side or Colin believing that Val is somebody worth depending on, then she's one in a way, you know? Yeah. And then we don't, we still don't see people for a while. We finally see Kelly again. She is safe at home. Thank goodness. Like, I cannot express you. I don't know if you felt this way, but this whole time that she wasn't around and people were like, where's Kelly? I was like, she's dead in a ditch. She's in a ditch. Someone call a hospital. I don't. Yeah. Like, I don't think I was as worried as you were, but I don't know why. Like, I mean, like, it all makes sense as to absolutely like why you were. I just like I wasn't that worried for some reason. Maybe it's because I almost believe just as easily as they did that they were safe, you know, like that they couldn't be touched. I just. After being proven wrong so many times of like, Dylan's fine. He's on the show forever. He's not going to get hurt. And then like the next episode he leaves. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, everyone technically has plot armor, but they could also just like be in a coma for two episodes plot armor. Right, exactly. Like Dylan already has been. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But we see Kelly at home. Donna comes in. She's like, oh my God, I'm so excited to see you. And like Donna has not been in any of these conversations since – the beginning with Claire and she's got other shit on her mind. Mm -hmm. So she just wants to talk about what's been going on in her life. And Kelly is just like, I don't have time for this. I'm too tired. I'm going to bed and totally hurts Donna's feelings. Yep. Totally. My heart breaks. Well, and it's the first time that we've seen where Donna's reached out and needed her advice that Kelly's been like, I don't have time for you. For no, mm-hmm. for no other reason, right? It's like there's conceivably no real reason as to why Kelly shouldn't or couldn't be there for her. So this is why it's weird. Yeah. And I think like Donna is probably going to be the only one that like really comes to the conclusion that something's wrong on her own. Like Claire yeah. mentioned something, what, like yesterday? But this is probably the first time that like Donna is seeing this versus everyone else had to have Val tell it to them multiple times. 
Right. Exactly. But Donna's night is far from over. Yes. She had a lot to do in these last two days. Yes. She's been very busy. Mary, you want to tell us about it? I do. Donna really can't believe anyone would trust any doctor who's not her dad. So she talks to Brandon about Joe's confidential medical stuff. Brandon goes to talk to Joe about it, off the record, but when Susan finds out about the size of the potential story he's just sitting on, he, no, she asks him to talk to Joe again, but on the record. Brandon says he won't do that story because Joe is his friend, so Susan talks to a bunch of people and writes the story herself, but she won't publish it even if it's her best work because she doesn't want to hurt her friends just to succeed. Also, Donna talks to Joe about how she trusts him to make his own choices regarding his health. They plan to meet up literal seconds before Joe has chest pains. Okay, this storyline is very stressful to me, and I feel like they just made it worse and, like, weirder with the Susan and Brandon stuff. Like, Mm. you know, the first time we see them, they're out jogging, which is so adorable. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, literally to the point where Nate looks over to me and says, I hope they're endgame. It's so cute. And I love like the banter where we find out they're running a 10K and Brandon's like, we have two months. And Susan goes, you've only run a block. Yeah. Like how freaking cute. They're like dodging each other, kind of weaving like sprinting at one point to race like they're the freaking cutest couple on this show forever and ever (laughs) they're so cute and like I gotta be honest I really hope we see the 10k like oh I know like we don't need to actually watch them run it but nothing would make me happier than the gang being at the finish line and watching them like cross it and just celebrating them well it's appropriate because it's the rock the vote 10k so this is a very like current eventy kind of thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I just love them. I love them so yeah, much. I know, but they end up coming on this really bad car accident and Susan's face, like the face acting for Emma Caulfield. Is, oh, my like, Lord. It's it's so good. Like that shot was really interesting how they took it from behind Susan's head and like coming around to view her face because mm-hmm. you're like, what what's going on? And Oh my lord. Like Emma Caulfield sold this so well. I was like mesmerized by her right? acting. I like had chills. Same. And I was like what's wrong? Why why is she having a panic attack? Like what's what's going on? And luckily they they give us the answer right away. Like you mm-hmm. know and, and and they show it instead of just telling us, which I think was way more impactful mm-hmm. because you know what we flash back to is she was running with a friend who or at least we thought was a friend at the time. Yeah. Her shoes untied, so she stops. Her, you know, this person is like saying like, "Oh, you're just making an excuse, you know, like because I'm beating you or like whatever it was." So they keep running and holy crap. She gets hit by immediately and like in front of Susan and she dies Mm -hmm. and then we get back to the present and like Susan is so visibly shaken and she's like I just need you need to get me out of here I don't feel good Mm -hmm. and you know Brandon takes her far enough away sits her down and is like do you want to tell me what's up like do you want to talk about this Mm -hmm. and they're just so adorable together 
and I really appreciate that like she did feel comfortable telling him this story and she mentions like everything I do is because of her like she had just graduated she was gonna go to like Stanford or you know do something mm-hmm. and she was like everything I do is because of her and we learned that sh- this person was her older sister Catherine and you know it sounds like Brandon or, or I'm sorry it sounds like Susan just doesn't really like to talk about this it's clearly very traumatic for her this sounds like it was kind of a recent thing um and to the point where Brandon's like I didn't even know you had a sister mm-hmm. and just so sad like you know she's just she's so shaken you know about this like clearly triggered by the fact that she saw a person like on the ground in this car accident you know things like that like it's just so, like I just I almost wish we had a little deeper dive into this, like outside of this one scene. Like I know we had to like kind of bring it back to the Joe Donna storyline, but it Mm -hmm. almost just made me want a little bit more backstory and a little bit more, you know, just diving deeper into this for Susan because I'm so invested in her and because Emma Caulfield is just, oh my God, she's wonderful. She's, we've talked about this since she freaking came on our screen for the first time. She's so wonderful. She has made me more invested in her than the OGs, you know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of yeah. hate that we didn't get more. Yeah. It it seems like this is another one of those episodes where the show is doing a lot of things when it doesn't necessarily have to. Like we could have had a whole episode dealing with Joe and the trauma that Susan is feeling like having this come back up and – or like – we could have maybe like connected the trauma that she had with her sister more with what's going on with Joe. Like maybe her sister was a track star and she got yeah. pushed into something. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. And and they like try to bring it back in the final scene between Susan and Brandon. It just doesn't really work. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of also why I'm like the the acting was so good and and the execution of that scene that we just talked about was so good. That's kind of kind of why I wanted it to be brought back a little better because mm-hmm. then at least we'd have that connection. Like those two points would be connected, but it just like kind of fell flat. Um, but it's okay. You know, like yeah, maybe we'll get more later. Yeah, I can only hope that. I mean, every time we get like little snippets of information from Susan, I write them down. Like that she was born two months premature. Wrote that down. <laughs> yep. Filed it away. <laughs> and – you know, speaking of Joe, we go over to the breakfast that Donna's having with Dr. Martin and she's asking her dad about it. And he's explaining like, you know, the medicine that I practice is not actually an exact science. Like there is science behind medicine, but like I am looking at his EKG and I'm seeing something, but this other doctor that looked at a different EKG is not seeing the same thing as me. So like we're trying to both guess to get to the right diagnosis. Like it makes sense Mm -hmm. what he's saying. And he, you know, ends up saying that what Joe should do is either get a third opinion or err on the side of caution, neither of which he's doing. He's choosing to believe that he's fine and just going with it. Right. And, you know, at the very least, Dr. Martin suggests to Donna to encourage Joe to like, take it easy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, which she knows he's just not doing. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, Brandon and Susan see her real quick, but she basically bolts out the door and Brandon's like, hold on, what's wrong? 
And this is when she tells Brandon that she's worried about Joe. She's worried about his heart, all of that. And then when Donna leaves, we get like Brandon's investigative reporter face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's like, hmm, is there a story here? Right? Yeah. Because she also brings up that the second doctor that they sent Joe to was the team's doctor. So like everything that we talked about that maybe the team just wants Joe to think he's fine so that he'll keep working out. Mm-hmm. Like that is starting to hit everybody else. Donna's thinking it. Now Brandon is thinking it. Then he's going to say it to Susan and Susan's going to think it. Which like, you know, the next thing we see is Brandon going to see Joe in his dorm room where he's doing push-ups, and he's like, Hey, we got this press release that like you're quoted in about your ankle. Do you want to comment on it? And I love Joe or I love Brandon being like, okay, so your ankle's fine. Nothing else? No uh liver, lungs, heart, anything. <laughs> and Joe's like, mm, what are you getting at? And then Brandon being the good journalist journalist that he is, is like, all right, I can tell you're upset. I'm going to take myself off the record. Like, now I'm just here as your buddy. Mm-hmm. And ask straight up if he has a heart condition. And Joe just kind of tangents over to the fact that when he was 16, he went rock climbing. He fell off a cliff like 100 feet. Yeah. That's kind of a huge amount of feet. <laughs> <laughs> like, people have died for falling less than that. Right. And he shows him his scars just on his elbow and his I, he, like knee. looks like he just tripped. Yeah. Or like fell in some briars or something. And apparently the doctor at the time said that Joe was never going to walk again. And mm-hmm. because he did, he now he doesn't admit this, but this is just my take, is that he essentially thinks he's Superman and doesn't have to listen to a doctor, or even if the doctor tells him something serious, he overcame a serious injury already, so he will just overcome everything. Yeah, like it explains a lot more why Joe wants to believe that he's fine and not listen to Dr. Martin, even though like I feel like there's a bit of a difference between like you may never walk again while you're in a wheelchair and you just fell 100 feet versus your heart may explode. Yeah. And that's the thing about the heart, too, is like like you said, it's like such a it's such a complicated muscle. You know, and, like, Mm -hmm. it's such a complicated organ in the body. It's, like, that's one thing you don't want to mess up. Like, you can survive. You can live without being able to walk. You Mm -hmm. literally cannot survive if something is wrong with your heart. Like, seriously, you know? Yeah. Well, and the way, you know, they've been talking about this general heart defect, it's kind of, like, it's not a problem until you make it a problem. Like, it could be a problem and you have to take precautions around it, but, like – you should probably take those precautions. And Joe is just like, no, I got out of a wheelchair when I was 16, which yeah. also is an amazing anecdote from Joe. Like, Oh, it's incredible. And it's it, it, so much to his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His like always positive outlook makes so much more sense coming from like, I thought I was never going to walk again and now I can. And that was like five years ago. And now I'm a starting quarterback. Yeah, like his drive, his determination, his motivation. Like there's so mm-hmm. much that explains with this one anecdote about Joe that makes complete sense. But it's like, buddy, you're not invincible. You know, mm-hmm. like 
just because like you did this miraculous thing doesn't mean lightning can strike twice, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, the next day Brandon and Susan are jogging again and talking about Joe and Brandon makes this comment. I think he calls it like a snow job or something. Mm -hmm. And it's basically like they're releasing this statement about his ankle to distract us from other things and tells Susan about Joe's heart condition, which a lot of people are talking about Joe's medical history that probably have no business talking about Joe's medical history. It's true. It's true. But that's fine. And I I appreciate like Brandon and Susan talking here from both the journalism point of view as well as the personal point of view, because like Mm -hmm. it's not that simple. You know, like this isn't just mm-hmm. a random athlete and they're learning some corruption in the in the AD's office. Like it's not it's not that simple. It's like this is their buddy. Like Joe has been nothing but good to them. And where's the line? Right. Mm-hmm. Like w- at what point are you holding up journalistic integrity, but then also being a good friend? You know. One thing I liked about Brandon telling Susan um, is just that when you disclose information to one half of the couple, the other half of the couple ends up knowing about it. Mm-hmm. So I just enjoyed seeing that illustrated in yeah. this scene. I just I feel like they should always be like off the record, here's what I can tell you, because they're both journalists. Yeah, because, for sure. Yeah, Susan's mind immediately starts going where she's just like, no, this could be corruption in the AD's office. Like, we have to do something. And like you said, like, they're they're struggling with this line. And that's pretty much the rest of the episode for them. Like, yeah. you know, Susan goes to Donna and tries to push her to tell more about Joe's heart problem to the point of lying to her, I think, mm-hmm. and being like, oh, I already talked to the athletic department. They already told me everything. And Donna, like, for – I will say, for Donna usually being naive and usually being a little bit too earnest, she's like, hold on. Like, I I don't want you to write anything about this. Like, this isn't – you shouldn't do this. Mm -hmm. And obviously Donna's doing it to look out for Joe, like, because it's her Mm -hmm. boyfriend. But I also think she's looking out out for him for his career, too, because he wants so badly to go to the league and all that. But then, like – Susan gets spooked because she sees Joe and she's like, okay, well, I got to go. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. And at that point, Joe kind of mentions to Donna, like, hey, they're always looking for a story because they work for the newspaper. But then mm-hmm. Donna kind of changes her tune a little bit because now she's put on girlfriend hat and she's like, well, well, hang on. If they write a story, you're going to take this more seriously then because you'll have to. And he's like, well, I'm trying to save my career. Like, if there's anything negative put out there about me or anything, you know, from a health perspective, like, he's done. And Donna makes the accurate and completely valid point of, well, what kind of career would you have if you're dead? Yeah. And his immediate response to that is like, whose side are you on? Yeah. And it's like, yours, baby boy. (laughs) Right? The side of you being alive. Exactly. And so that's why yeah, there isn't another side because, like, that's that's what's so interesting about the storyline because it's like, yeah, like, Joe, there, I understand your motivations and your drive and your determination to get to the NFL, but you'll never get there if you don't take this seriously. There's a chance 
that if people know about this and you take care of this, that you'll still be able to get to the league. You just have to mm-hmm. pass the test and maybe you're a tick slower, you know, in, in your in your 40, 40 yard dash. Like, who knows? But at least you'll be taking care of it. Yeah. I mean, like, literally think of uh, the guy on Atlanta United, Ozzy Alonso, who had to sit out for a game because they wanted to do extra tests on his heart because he knew he has a problem that he's mm-hmm. been taking care of and monitoring with the teams. And so like he has to sit out a game to get some extra tests because it looked really weird, but he got cleared and he's in his thirties and still playing sports up until he tore his ACL. Right. <laughs> totally different story though. That had nothing to do with his heart because yeah. he kept getting his heart checked out. Well, and that's the thing is like Joe, Joe's complications could escalate so much faster mm-hmm. and so much more intensely if he doesn't take care and doesn't acknowledge his heart condition. Or even if it's not a heart condition, maybe it's just he, you know, gets like chest pains, you know, a lot or something like that. And if he doesn't take care of it, it could really escalate. Whereas if he does, like you said, and like kind of lets the doctors know, lets team know or whatever, they can take care of it and prevent the escalation. Yeah. And, I mean, like, he's truly just ignoring it at this point, which is why it it makes sense that it escalates so fast at the end of the episode. But, Mm -hmm. again, like, we don't see Joe for a while because this story ends up really being about Susan and Brandon trying to find that line of journalistic integrity because we see them at the newsroom and Susan is making calls and she wants to turn it into – a story about the athletic department. She's like, I can leave Joe's name out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hurt him, blah, blah, blah. And they basically get into a shouting match where Brandon is like, you cannot write this story. You're going to hurt somebody. And I do think this is interesting because they're talking about this and it made me think of the marketing teacher that sexually harassed Val and then they ended up writing the story and getting him kicked out of the school. Mm-hmm. like I don't know it just it made me think of that where like Susan was right that time and this time we're saying that Brandon is right because we don't want to hurt Joe's career I don't know yeah I mean I think this one this one's at least a little bit more complex I mm-hmm. think than that one like that was very straightforward like this professor has a history of sexually harassing students clean cut like mm-hmm. you know no ifs ands or buts about it this one, they're showing both sides to it, and I can clearly see both sides and agree with both sides. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. both of you are correct. Like, on the one hand, you want to save your friend and you want to, like, be a good friend. But on the other hand, there's a larger picture going on here, right? It's not just about Joe. It's like how many other athletes at this school have been pressured into hiding something wrong with them for winning like like Susan literally wants to write about football and winning at every cost mm-hmm. which how many times have we heard that in real life you I mean, know like, yeah I won't go down a sports rabbit hole but like that is quite literally happening right now in sports and mm-hmm. I mean there are plenty of you know giant articles that come out basically exposing you know teams for certain things and training staffs mm-hmm. for certain things like I do think there's probably this part of Susan that is like this could be like a huge break for me. Well, not only that, but also it could not just save Joe's life and potentially career. It could save 
countless other athletes in various other sports across the country, potentially, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm sure CU is kind of on the AP's radar because of Joe already because of the courting episode. Yeah. And the AP already knows about Brandon and Susan specifically. Exactly. And I do think Brandon makes a good point here when she's, you know, talking about making the story about the athletic department and he's like, well, now you're comparing horseshoes and hand grenades. Like it is complicated and it is really hard to extract the friend from the bigger picture. And she, she even says like, am I? Yeah. But It's it's a great, it's a great story. And I actually think like having whoever made the decision to bring in Susan Keats as the character to 90210 has made such like better plots and better stories Mm -hmm. when it comes to Brandon, instead of him just being on a random task force and having an internship, you know, with the Boston globe or whatever he did. And this is so much good content and good character development. So it, I mean, think about it. We've talked about this more than the cocaine storyline at this point. Mm -hmm. What? And it just like, it keeps, being more interesting like I love this like last scene where Brandon is at the soccer stadium during a soccer game by the way (laughs) yeah and just like watching Joe run the stairs and being like so conflicted and Susan shows up and she wrote the story it is multiple pages long she has it she has her headline written out and she gives it to Brandon and he's furious about it because the headline specifically mentions the QBE yeah and then she says, like, oh, yeah, this is, like, the greatest piece that I've ever re- written. And then she tears it up and says she's not going to run it. And, yeah, she's clearly sided on on Joe's side as Joe the friend, not Joe the quarterback. But mm-hmm. clearly makes the point, you know, when Brandon asked, if Joe wasn't our friend, would you run the story? And she was like, absolutely, without yeah. question. And that's the point, right? Like, yeah. That is the point is like if Joe was not involved in terms of their friendship in the friend group, this is an important story to tell. And that's why I think I can agree with both sides or at least see both sides because Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, like why would I want to intentionally do something to hurt my friend? But at the same time, if he wasn't, the story needs to be told. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if Joe was a willing participant in it. Yeah. It would be completely different. Kind of like, yeah, Val was a much more willing participant, even when she was like, run the story, but leave me out of it. Like, she mm-hmm. was fine with them running the story. Joe is convinced that running this story will kill his career. Yeah. Susan ends up saying, like, I hope we're doing the right thing. You know, what if there's something really wrong with him? And that's a lot to carry. Yeah. Well, and relatably, Brandon is like, I don't even want to think about that. Like, mm-hmm. do not put it in the universe. Yep. Totally. And, you know, they make this decision. They're going to go leave. But we stay on Joe because Donna shows up. And it's kind of the same thing. She's come to the same realization where she's like, look, it's your body. It's your decision. You do what you want, which, like, also progressive (laughs) ideologies, Donna. When she said, like, it's your body, it's your decision, I was just like, okay. Yeah, my ears perked up. I was like, oh, did I just get chills? (laughs) But she says, you know, yeah, he can do what he wants. She's going to trust him. And they make plans to have dinner. 
And then he goes to run the stairs again. And at the top of the stairs, immediately starts feeling chest pains and gasping. Mm-hmm. And he, and even he, like, literally says, whoa. Mm-hmm. Because I think up until this point, he hadn't really, like, felt anything weird with his heart. Because if you recall, when he got his ankle checked, the, when the doctor tells him you might want to check your heart, get your heart checked out, he's like, why? You know, like, cause yeah. clearly he's never had an issue with this before. And now all of a sudden he's being told that he has a potential heart problem and now he feels it. Yeah, it uh, it was scary to me. Mm-hmm. Like, all I could think of was like, Brandon and Susan and Donna just walked away and this boy needs a hospital. Thank God there's a soccer game going on and there's a bunch <laughs> of people in the stands. By a lot, do you mean 15 people? Because nobody cares about soccer at this point. True. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it it was quite a way to end the episode. I know. Because, like, yeah, we have not gotten any sort of resolution or anything about the cocaine story. Oh, yeah. No one cares about what's happening with Steve and Claire. But, like, Brandon and Susan just had a big thing happen in their relationship. And now Joe, like, could be in serious medical trouble. Yeah, it's so cliffhangery this this episode with the big storylines that it feels appropriate for like where we are in the season, right? We're mm-hmm. like a little over halfway. It's like we've kind of gotten into these big plots like, you know, just trickled in and now they're kind of rearing up to the climax of their own stories. Mhm. Yeah, it'll be interesting how long they take to wrap these things up, like whether or not Kelly decides like next episode now that she's down and like she feels what it feels like to like come down off that high if she's done with cocaine or like if she's going to keep going through the end of the season and like yeah I don't know what's going to happen with Joe I have no idea guess we'll find out yeah uh okay so quote of the week for you assuming you have one I do okay uh, the only one that I really have is Val saying, when does anyone learn anything from the lessons of the past? Because, yeah, that was very meta. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, uh, at the beginning, when Val goes to Colin's house and then she leaves and Colin turns to Kelly and goes, do you think she bought it? And Kelly goes, ask me if I care. Yeah, <laughs> good one too. Um, I wrote down like quite a few. Yeah. Actually. Um, I don't know why I wrote some of these down, but I did, so I'm going to read them. <laughs> uh, Val talking to Kelly, saying, long time no school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kelly, just after she delivers her cocaine gifts, when she's just leaving again, she's like, okay, see you, love you, bye. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's shit that I say on a regular basis. What does that say about me anyway? Yeah, with no drugs or substances involved whatsoever. Um, Joe saying, I'm fine. Because if a character is saying that, they're obviously not. Yep. The guy Colin buys fake cocaine from saying, that's funny. I think I smell ham after Colin says he's not a cop. <laughs> yep. And then also saying, watch your back. This is a lousy neighborhood. I just think that's very funny. Anyway, um, there's one more that I want to say. Oh, it's David confronting Colin. And he says, I don't care what you do. If you don't stop giving your drugs to my sister, the only thing you're going to find up your nose is my fist. Mm-hmm. 
Successful threatening. I know. I love it. And that's all I have. Yeah. So a lot of those I also wrote down. Um, and I will say that initially my quote of the week before I found another one was um, when Val says, when does anybody learn anything from the lessons of the past? Because, yeah, just super meta, also true. Mm-hmm. But then Donna had to go and say, it's your life, it's your body, and your decision. And I was like, praise Donna. Like, say right. Donna forever and for always. Um, just because, like, I think I think she can have concern for Joe and also feel this way, right? Like, you can't sure. ever make somebody do something that they don't want to do with their own body. Mm-hmm. But you can be concerned and you can express that concern and try to do whatever you can to help them. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, just in terms of the bigger picture, like the scope of it, the what the, what it means for us today, like all mm-hmm. of that I, I think is just super important. Yeah. No, I, I love this for Donna. Yep. I also like, I know she won't, but when she finds out, that like he actually does need to get another opinion. There is like this tiny, tiny part of me that would be like, I knew I was right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she'll do that. Nah. Because she's better than me. <laughs> Mary, do you have a moment of the week? I really don't, honestly. And I don't know why I don't. Um, I mean, I know what mine is. Yeah. If I had one. Yeah. It's it's absolutely 1,000% Brandon and Susan jogging together. Oh, Aww. yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I really do just love Brandon and Susan. Right. They're Susan so forever. Cute. Like, truly, OTP. Yep. Caitlin, you want to tell us what next week's about? Yes. Or, well, don't tell us what it's about. Tell us what the title is. I sure will. Yeah. No, because I am curious to see if, like like you said earlier, do we get an immediate resolution on the cocaine stuff, on the Joe stuff? Like, obviously, there's lots of cliffhangers in this past episode. Um, but, yeah, so next week we've got Season 6, Episode 19, Nancy's Choice. And just a fun fact, first of all, we don't know anybody named Nancy, but um, – <laughs> This was after a two-week hiatus, so basically, like, we got this episode, then didn't have an episode the following week when it, you know, in in airtime, and then, so it it gave us a little break. They said, you're going to, you're going to, like, marinate on these two storylines for a little bit. Interesting. I also just want to say, after having said cocaine so many times over these last couple weeks, I just heard schmidt from new girl in my brain going cocaine (laughs) cocaine yeah because i have no idea who nancy is yeah who's nancy i don't know we'll find out and why she has a specific choice yeah we will and until then you can follow us on twitter and instagram at back to podcast or shoot us over an email if you have any questions or comments thoughts or concerns at back to podcast at gmail.com that's b-a-c-k-t-o podcast at gmail.com And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community, and that helps us provide you a better product. And if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout out because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I'm going to go eat some black truffle risotto. 
I got internet in a box and I've been saving up for it. I know pens don't cost that much. Bye. Bye. See ya.